I just had a reminder go off my phone for Wine Wednesday. Oh, well, that's a good reminder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very important reminder. <laughs> important news. <laughs> to interrupt our podcast. We've got to run to the wine store. Welcome to Semi Together, a podcast about having some of your life together all of the time. It's about working on where you want to get it together while giving yourself credit for where you've got it together. I'm Malia Dicker, and I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm her sister, Jillian Burgess, and I live in Barcelona, Spain. We are excited that today's episode is number 20. Yay! So that's very exciting. I know, it's crazy. We started in November, and we have not missed an episode every two weeks. I know, I'm very proud of us, so that's awesome. Me too. Yes, so... For today's special episode, we will be interviewing our friend and semi-together listener, Chris Myers, about how self-care is not just for women. But before we get into this topic, we wanted to say that if you've tried to sign up for our bi-weekly newsletter and haven't received it yet, please try again. We were having some technical glitches in the process that we have now fixed. So you can sign up at subscribepage.com slash semi-together or the footer of semi-together.com. So the newsletter is a roundup of all the things that we've been loving lately from podcasts and TV shows to recipes and things that make us laugh. And we will also compile tips and takeaways from the podcast. We also wanted to shout out a listener comment. We were talking on the last episode about finding gray hairs and how we can reframe that as both wise and beautiful and also a silver lady fox. (laughs) Because (laughs) if men get to be silver foxes, women can be silver lady foxes. But it turns out the name for a female fox is a vixen. So Sierra said, silver vixen, we should definitely introduce that to the lexicon. Yes. Which is amazing. It's (laughs) amazing. I think somewhere deep in my brain, I knew that vixen was actually an animal of some kind. But I don't know (laughs) if I ever knew it was actually a lady fox. (laughs) Yeah, I like rang a bell when she said that, but I was like, oh my God, that is so brilliant. Why is that not a thing already? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're just missing this trend and it's already going, but if it's not, let's make it a thing. Oh my gosh. Since she said that, I've whenever I've noticed a gray hair, I'm just like, oh, I'm such a silver vixen. Such and it's really vixen. helped. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Reframing yes. for the win. That sounds so, so attractive. Fantastic. Yes. So. so thank you, Sierra. And if other listeners have any comments or things that ring a bell for you, please let us know. Now we'll get into today's topic. Self-care is not just for women. We started thinking about this when our friend and listener Chris Myers DM'd us to say, I really love the podcast. It's good to note that I'm not alone in my thoughts and anxiety. And he went on to say that he wishes more men talked about self-care, which made us realize how much the self-care and personal development industries are geared toward women and how men need these practices just as much as women do. Here is our interview with Chris. Today we'll be hearing about a guy's experience of self-care, which is not actually just for women. And when we say self-care, we mean being intentional about taking care of your physical and mental health, diet, exercise, appearance, as well as your inner life. And we are excited to welcome Chris Myers to the podcast. He is one of the few guys we know who prioritizes self-care and personal development, being intentional about his physical health and managing internal obstacles like anxiety through habits like meditation. He thinks it's important to make mental health care a normal practice for guys like it is for women because they need it just as much as women do. So a bit about Chris. I was lucky to meet him when I moved to Jackson 10 years ago because he is a natural connector who brings people together. I've met so many of my friends through him, and he has made Jackson and Mississippi as a whole better in more ways than we have time to name. 
from serving on the city of Jackson planning board to spreading awareness of a once obscure Jackson flag to inspire city pride to his work at the CDFL architecture firm in Jackson for the last 18 years. As a principal of CDFL, he was one of the lead architects on the Mississippi Museums, which educate people about our state's complex history and have attracted international attention. And Chris lives in my neighborhood in Jackson with his wife, Rachel, and his kids, Eli, who's four, and Aviva, who is six months. So I am so grateful that Chris and I are friends, and I'm really happy to have him here. So welcome, Chris. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Happy to to be friends with you guys as well. Awesome. So most of our audience is female, and we're very happy to have a small but loyal audience of men who are not our husbands, who (laughs) listen because they're also interested in self-care and personal development, including you, Chris. So you wrote us not too long ago to say, I really wish more men would discuss these types of things. Self-care being viewed as a feminine endeavor is damaging to women in the workplace, and we should all be striving to take better care of ourselves. So could you talk a little bit more about that and which self-care and personal development themes resonate most with you? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I really, I really like the podcast and because it's good to, to kind of know what's going on in your friends' heads when you don't always talk about that kind of thing. Um, so it was kind of a relief to know that people I know have a lot of the same anxieties that I do. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I found it you know, books and blogs and podcasts about healthier living and personal development tend to be geared towards women. They're usually by women, for women. Uh, and, I, I, you know, becoming a dad, I've, I've searched high and low for good podcasts and blogs about parenthood from a dad's perspective. And, and there just, there just aren't many out there. Um, but, you know, as men, we need to focus on those things too. Healthy eating habits, exercise, hygiene, mindfulness, you know, taking time off. Those items aren't focused towards men generally and we tend to obsess over productivity and efficiency and hard work at all costs um that can be good for our work but it's not necessarily good for ourselves yeah it's crazy to think that self-care is just a woman thing like half the population doesn't need to take care of those right it doesn't make any sense at all (laughs) yeah yeah and you have mentioned that you deal with anxiety like i do so how does anxiety show up for you and how do you manage it yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember dealing with it much when I was younger, and I don't, I don't know if, if you guys feel the same way, but I, I don't remember it being an issue in in high school, and I really don't remember it being an issue in architecture school, which is pretty amazing. But um, I think, I think for me, it really kind of came to a head three years ago when I was working on the museum project that you talked about, because uh, around that same time we had we had just had a kid, so we had a one year old. I was about to turn forty. My role at work was shifting from, you know, a worker bee to more of a manager type position. And I was managing this very large project along with another project at UMC, which is, a, you know, combined like $100 million worth of work. And it was just a crazy year. They both had crazy deadlines they had to meet and they had to open on certain dates. Uh, so just everything was kind of flying at me from all directions. And on a construction project like that, it's just difficult to schedule time because you never know what when you're going to get a call or an email that's just going to make you have to drop everything. And so during that time, you know, probably once a week, things were just piling up so high that I couldn't really fathom how to get to it all. And so my body would just shut down. You know, it's an internal panic attack. You know, anybody that was watching me from outside would have no idea what was going on, but I would just be frozen with with kind of fear and panic. (laughs) Um, right. so my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my race, everything would seem hopeless. 
on the on the flip side of that, on just a regular day, it would kind of manifest itself in just not being able to pick the the next thing to do. Um, yeah, you're in fight or flight mode, so your just yeah. like rational brain is turned off. Yeah, right? you can't think of the next thing. Right, and it, on top of that, Rachel, my wife, had just started her work at the Mississippi Museum as the director. So she had she had shifted from a a job that was more self directed to one where she was managing people, and so her ability to to listen to my problems and to kind of help me filter all those things was kind of dampened a bit. Um, and I, it just was something that she, she couldn't deal with anymore and I couldn't expect her to, you know, accept it from me. Sure. Well, and you mentioned that from the outside, people would have no idea. And I absolutely didn't. I mean, from the outside, it looked like you guys were a power couple and like had it all together and, you know, directing major projects and organizations and also hosting community events and parenting an adorable child. So I say that to remind all of us (laughs) that even, you know, everyone is going through challenges that you don't know about, even if their lives seem perfect on social media. Right. Right. And yeah, and we all know that's part of the problem with social media, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we, we only see the good parts I mean, because nobody wants to, well, how, how do you take a picture of, of anxiety? Do you take a picture of the, pile, right. of, of the pile of paper on your desk or, you know, how, do you, how, can, you, how can you even do that? Maybe and we so, need to start doing that. Yeah, yeah. I know we were, before we were, we were photographing the got it togethers on Instagram yeah. because they're prettier. Yeah, they're prettier. Yeah. They, we didn't want people to think like, oh, we're so great. We got everything together. But yeah, they get it together. It's like either they're internal obstacles or right. they're like ugly stuff. Right. Like I live in squalor. Yeah. Yeah. Like the pile of lint that I photographed wasn't so pretty, but I had a lot to say about it. Right. 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 Yeah. We need, we need a hashtag like IRL that just kind of shows. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So yeah. That's, that's definitely part of the problem with social media and, you know, I, I think last week we we were going through some sleep issues with the baby, and so I, I posted a picture of, like, my frustration. So hopefully, you know, just trying to say, you know, it, this may seem really nice on the outside. These kids may be really cute most of the time, but at night they're not great. Yes, and I appreciated that. I appreciated the real talk and the real glimpse yeah. into your life. I remember posting a very similar picture when Evan was two and going through a hellish sleep phase after a holiday break. He just he was up to like one in the morning. And so it's like this family portrait of me mm-hmm. just like mascara running and like Evan's like jumping on us and we're like on the floor trying to sleep while he's you know, going wild in the middle of the night. Oh, so anyway, gosh. people do appreciate that stuff. Right, that you're not you got- alone and that, you know, the family portraits at, at Christmas are right. not, not the yeah. not but, every day yeah uh, but but you know kind of back to my anxiety um after after a while it, it just became unmanageable and I, I wasn't i wasn't giving my best at work i wasn't giving my best at home and so i stuck coming somewhere in the middle and so i i just i tried to start implementing some some changes during that time just to help help manage um so i you know i'd start getting up earlier to take care of myself to spend some time alone go for a walk meditate using an app like headspace or something on youtube occasionally i would make it to a yoga class when i could get out um definitely cut back on caffeine consumption because obviously that fuels anxiety even though it helps you stay awake um i'm trying to make a conscious decision to leave work at work at least until you know i had time to get everybody to bed and so i could you know go back to work and finish what i needed to do and then eventually i started regular therapy with a focus on mindfulness. 
it's really hard to carve out time for all of that when yeah. life seems so crazy and you're just like, go, oh, I don't have time for this. And it's about stopping, taking a breath and just seeing like, okay, this is worth the investment. Like take time to meditate, take time to yeah. exercise. It's and it, and tough. It, and, and it takes time away from that productivity, productivity we were talking right. about. And so mm-hmm. it, it's kind of, it seems counterintuitive, but in the end it's actually more helpful. Yes, right. exactly. in the long run, absolutely. Yeah, you'll see dividends. Yeah, therapy has been a game changer for me too. And I have learned so many techniques to manage my anxiety and negative thoughts. And it also helps just to know that I have a session coming up to process the roadblocks I run into. So I'll just like file it away in my mind for therapy when it comes up. Your therapist has had very helpful things that you've told me. And I feel like she is also my, uh, you know, my posse therapist. <laughs> yeah, so thank right. you. <laughs> I know. I thought about doing an episode or a segment like therapy notes and just like what I'm yeah. learning, what I've learned over the years. <laughs> yes. Share with, me share all with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, um, and she follows me on Instagram. So sometimes I'll check like, did I get that right? And she's like, yes, it was really good. I'm like, okay. Good. <laughs> that, that is accurate. Yeah. But Chris, That's I was good. wondering what therapy has done to help you. Um, it's, uh, I think the most important thing is, obviously, it's, it's nice to just have somebody to talk to and be able to, who, who you actually pay to listen to what you have to say, but. Right, they um, have to, right? <laughs> yeah, right, she has no choice. Uh, but it, it's, it's taught me to stop judging the way I feel. Um, I, I, w- I used to get mad about having to deal with anxiety and that, you know, it's, it seems like, and it may not be the case that some people can just skate smoothly through the world without ever knowing how it feels. They can, you know, they mm-hmm. just, it just rolls off their back. Um, so that validation that it's okay to feel like this, and as long as I'm not controlled by this feeling, that, to me, that was a game changer. My lizard brain reaction doesn't have to be my outward physical reaction. I can pause, think, and then move forward with what I need to do. Mm-hmm. It's also taught me about non-striving time, which I am, I am not good at. And by that, I mean, you know, time that's not spent trying to be productive and mark something off a list. Yeah, um, I don't know what really, that's like at all. I know. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, no idea, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, when, it came, when it came up in our conversation one day um, at therapy, I, I was like, I don't, I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, this? <laughs> um, so it, it's not productive time, uh, but it's in those moments when we can uh, when we aren't trying to accomplish anything, that we can really relax and let our brains be creative. So I'm really bad at it. The only way I can like specifically do it is to go to a movie, but then I'm like going to a movie. So it, does that technically, does that count as non-striving time or not? I'm not sure. Uh, there's, there's still a goal in mind, but. Um, well, and we're in creative professions, all three of us. Yeah. And so it is so important to just let your mind rest because that's yeah. when you have the space for ideas. Like it's right. crucial to being good at our jobs. Right. Yes. It's hard to do. I'm with you. Yes. It's very difficult. It. To be alone with now. my thoughts is not my favorite place. <laughs> it's a very scary, very scary place <laughs> yes. to be. <laughs> yeah. And I also, uh, beyond therapy, uh, I kind of preach the gospel of CBD oil. Uh, I started taking it about a year ago. And I know the science is a little shaky around it and whether or not it works or does anything but it seems like it works for me and that may be a total placebo effect uh, and that's fine as long as it does something placebo yeah. effect yeah, yeah. And all the outcome yeah, yeah take it <laughs> but it, it's it's uh, increased my ability to kind of take that pause and like stay on top of the initial stress reaction i mean it's really just that fraction of a second that um that allows you not to freak out about something i think 
that's really yeah. valuable. Yeah. Yeah. CBD oil has got, like gotten so much traction just in the last year. It's funny because last summer I was on a family trip and we were in Tennessee. I can't remember where we were, but another state. And I didn't know that it was actually legal in Mississippi because it just wasn't around. And so I had wanted to try it on the recommendation of a friend. So like at this outdoor fair, I kind of snuck off from the family and bought <laughs> this like little paper bag full of CBD oil. And Darren's like Your teasing stash. me about munchies. And yeah, there are no hallucinogens in it. There's no THC. Yeah. But anyway, now it's just so it's becoming mainstream, which is great. And yeah. it hasn't worked for me yet. Like I've been only recently taking it regularly instead of just kind of as needed. Um, and I do feel it like immediately, but then as far as the lasting effects, not as much, but I hear from friends that it kind of builds up in your system and yeah. if it works, it works. I, I'm hoping it does for me too. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. Good. And I don't, I, don't, I don't know if we can plug local businesses here, but Beacon Supply down the street has like CBD uh, sparkling water that's really excellent. So. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay. Highly recommended. Yeah, and I feel you on getting frustrated with having to deal with anxiety and, and pessimism in my case that I have to work on every day and I have struggled with my whole life. Um, it's interesting that for you it just kicked in later in life, but yeah. since I was little, I was kind of a nervous and fearful child. It runs in our family, like on both sides of our family, so we were kind of mm -hmm. genetically prone to that. Yeah, other people really do, I think, are able to coast through life a little better. And it's helped me to acknowledge that it's not fair. It feels not <laughs> fair and it, it is not fair. <laughs> Just like some people are born with physical disabilities or genetic conditions. And I've also been listening to Eckhart Tolle talk about what he calls the pain body. And that's the negative emotions and experiences that build up when they aren't processed. Mm -hmm. And that has helped me understand like why some people like me struggle more than others. Um, just heavier pain bodies to contend with. And, you know, there are ways to dismantle that, especially like disidentifying with the reaction. Like you were saying, like, I am not my anxiety. I don't have to react this way. I can step back and separate myself. And mm -hmm. with that space you create with the breath or pause, just choose differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really helpful framework. So we've talked about how, you know, self-care and personal development and these kinds of things we typically think of as, you know, women's work or women's issues. But Chris, do you and any of your guy friends tend to talk about these kinds of things? You know, anxiety, worry, vulnerability, that kind of thing in general? You know, I'd, I'd like to say that we do in the way that we're talking about it right now, but I, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> if we do, it's usually in the form of like complaining about work or, you know, kids or swapping stories about, you know, bedtime issues or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, we don't, the, I, I guess the, lang the language is a lot different. And we rarely take it to that deeper level about what's underlying those issues. Sure. Um, usually just kind of a complaint section. <laughs> I mean, occasionally we do. Venting, yeah. Um, right, which is important yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'd say honestly, I mean, most of my life I've leaned towards uh, female friendships for that. Mm -hmm. And I guess that might be part of the reason for that is because it's easier to talk about those things in that context. Yeah, I'll bet some of your guy friends do struggle with some of the same things like anxiety, but either are not aware of it or just don't talk about it. Like I know Darren yeah. texts or calls with his brothers every day, but they talk about baseball. You know, they don't, they just like give each other a hard time, but don't really get into right. the deeper things. Right. I remember yeah. having a conversation with my husband, Brian, about it, because I think it was when Malia, you and I were hanging out with a friend in San Francisco, and we were talking about the kind of work that we were doing on ourselves and the things that we were striving for. And afterwards, he was like, I have never had a conversation like that with a guy friend before. <laughs> like, in no way has that vocabulary, you know, been part of our conversations. So I do think it's just kind of a little more normalized having that vocabulary with 
within female relationships. Yeah, and you right. start it when you're really young, just right. like talking with friends from the time you're little. All oh, the guys are like roughhousing, and so it's I think partially partially biology and partially a lot conditioning. Uh, yeah, right. A lot of the personal development content for men I've seen is about boosting focus and productivity, like we were talking about earlier. So on the Art of Manliness blog, a couple sample posts were practice productive procrastination and six ways to streamline your mornings. And I wondered if you see a need for more content addressing the social emotional side of self-care. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was younger and, and had energy and I was first getting started as a young architect, I mean, I think I was into those things. I, you know, I wanted, what are the 18 things I need to do when I first wake up to make my day successful? And Before um, 5 a.m. Yeah. yeah, before 5 a.m., right, right, exactly. But now it, I see that kind of attitude as a, as a problem because those things are about cramming more things into your day instead of creating more space. And I really think that space is so important. Uh, that space just to just to be uh, non-striving, to not be trying to do anything and accomplish anything, just to have time to think. I think in professional settings like ours, I'm sure it's the same in, in for y'all too, uh, we're kind of expected to be efficient and productive. And there's kind of a male pride. I know there certainly is in my office about, you know, who gets here first, who takes the least number of breaks, who goes on the least number of vacations. Mm-hmm. And working harder than everyone else and I, it's just it's just not good mm-hmm. it's not good um, and i think in a setting where you have men and women doing the same work when women are talking about self-care and men aren't there's an inherent imbalance in the workplace uh, i venture to say that this is why um, a lot of men have issues with maternity leave or family leave mm-hmm. or processing how that should work um, I think it just runs counter to the idea of productivity and efficiency and it's just it's not it's not easy to process that in kind of a normal framework of productivity. Yeah, and I imagine it has to do why more men, you know, have heart attacks and, and die like five years earlier than women on average. Just that yeah. go, that go, go. Stress, yeah. yeah, the stress and like no breaks and it's just a natural yeah. thing your body needs, not, you know, just for women. Absolutely. Um, and we talked, Chris, about how you've leaned on female friendships for sort of the social emotional side. And I read an article about this phenomenon called Men Have No Friends and Women Bear the Burden, about how straight men are taught that feelings are a female thing, and they do lean on women for their emotional health if they address it at all. So what do you think, you know, what do you think men can do to foster friendships with other men where they actually share what's really going on with them? And what forums are best to do that? Um, Yeah, I think... as men, we need to learn to handle our own stuff. Um, if, you know, if you're, if you're going to the airport, you wouldn't expect your spouse to carry all of your luggage while you mosey, mosey down empty handed. <laughs> uh, the same, the same should be true for your emotional baggage. Uh, it's not that we have to hold it all inside and, and deal with it ourselves, but it's our problem to solve, uh, not someone else's. I've seen too many instances in the workplace where men are taking their frustrations and issues out on employees and staff, and we have to stop accepting that. You know, one way to counter that is spending time with people you trust and care for. A few years ago, I mean, it's it's probably been five or six years now, Rachel had a group of friends over to the house, and I was kindly asked to, to go away. <laughs> and so I, I ended up at my friend Arthur's house, who at the time, his house was kind of a social hub. Mm-hmm. Uh, so went over there, and we decided to make sausage. And, you know, listeners may think that's a metaphor for something that's not. We, we literally... <laughs> We literally make sausage a lot. This is something we like to do. It's you know, it's kind of it's a it's a process. You grind the meat and you have to restuff it in the casing, and all. it's just it, it requires a lot of teamwork, camaraderie, and time. So 
and you can you drink whiskey and beer while you do it. Sounds awesome. Sounds pretty um, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we went over before long. You know, a, a few people had come over, a few neighbors, and so we had a handful of guys there, and none of us had kids yet, so we we were free on time, and you know, we we probably drank too much and stayed up too late, but at the time. Um, we were all starting to get married and drift apart a little, so it was a, it was a good time, and we really needed to spend that time together. And so that that night, um, we decided we were going to do that on a regular basis, and we started calling it Sausage Night. <laughs> and so, for for years, like three, four years, uh, we met every Wednesday night in some form, you know, whether it's at a restaurant or a bar or cooking at someone's house. And the point was that there was a space we reserved to spend time together. And uh, for a long time, we were really good about it. We we did something every week. Um, but, you know, over time we got older and had kids and we don't meet quite as often as we used to, but we do still maintain our group me. And so, you know, we'll kind of joke back and forth with each other and occasionally we'll meet up, you know, whether it's for um, lunch or dinner or, you know, maybe we'll be able to grab one drink after everybody's kids are asleep. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's good to have a group like that. And I know, um, you know, anything I ask of those guys, they they would do for me. And if I need help with a project around the house or moving something, like I can, you know, rely on two or three of them to come do that. It's so That's great awesome. to have a yeah a crew to rely on. And those text threads, even when life gets busy or group me's or whatever, WhatsApp, Jill, you have a WhatsApp group with your Sonoma girls, right? Yeah, my college Matters. girls. And it, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it really, even when you're far apart or even when you're, you know, your lives change a little bit and you can't meet up as often in person. It really does add so much for those little connections. Yeah, just knowing they have your back and that you can reach out at any time. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So as a man and as a Southern man in particular, how do you see the ideas changing in our country around what it means to be a man? And I know you're also raising a boy. So what kind of values and lessons are you trying to instill in him as he grows up? Yeah, I mean, he, he's growing up in a totally different way than I did. Um, when I was two and my sister was born, my mom stopped working and stayed home with us. Uh, my dad traveled a lot for work. He was gone two or three nights a week, and we lived way out in the country. So household labor was pretty firmly divided. Um, in our house now, and I think it's true for you guys and most of the families we spend time with, the lines aren't quite so well-defined. Um I do most of the cleaning. Rachel does most of the cooking during the week, but that may change from night to night. Um, and I hope, I hope the lesson there, I mean, obviously he doesn't know the difference, but I hope the lesson there is that it takes all of us to run the family mm-hmm. and that nobody's, nobody's job is more important than anybody else's. And then it's all about responsibilities to keep things moving. Yeah. It's been so heartening for me to see that among our friend groups because we did have the same, you know, in the previous generation, it was different often. Like Jill and I grew up with that same kind of division of labor in the house. Like our dad worked long hours and our mom arranged her hours so she'd be home with us when we got home from school. So she did the cleaning and the cooking, except dad would make us Sunday breakfast, which was nice. But in my house now, Darren does most of the cooking because he loves it. And I'm like, we gourm on it. I'll bake. But, you know, I do a lot of the cleaning and the kid-related scheduling, like haircuts and dentist appointments. And just kind of who's good at what. But there's an expectation that we'll both pull our own weight. And that sometimes, you know, when I'm busy, he'll fill in and vice versa. Right, right. Yeah, Brian and I don't have kids, so we don't have that aspect of it. But there's definitely the expectation that we will divide up the household management. So we we also don't really have fixed tasks. But I, I do most of the cooking because I really enjoy it, even though he does as well. Um, but he does more of the cleanup. And, you know, we both kind of pitch in on the things that we don't love, like, you know, finances. But if there's a chore that one of us really hates, the other one will try to do it. <laughs> that kind of thing. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
so what, while we're discussing that, what, what are the gaps in your household? in each of your households? Like, what are the things that neither of you do? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. It's like filing of papers is something. I mean, Darren would throw everything away. Yeah. And these days, probably Shredded. that's okay, because you can get it online. But yeah, I like to hold on to things just in case. And so there's stacks of <laughs> like, I have a two file file. And that's just like random stuff that I probably could just shred. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. Fun. Ours is gift buying. We oh. There's nobody in our house that's really responsible for buying gifts for birthday parties or uh-huh weddings and things so we always end up at the last minute trying to figure that out scrambling (laughs) gifts is not your love language (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, we are often last minute gift buyers as well for like you know mother's day father's day what have you um (laughs) ours is like clutter clearing and stuff like that like both of us like to have a tidy space but no one like wants to spend the time doing that so things pile up and we'll we'll just close the door on the guest room for a couple weeks (laughs) (laughs) do not go in there yeah it's very very scary in there don't do it Well, we were curious, too, about emotional health development, you know, for for Eli. And we have Evan, who's around the same age. And we talked to him about how it's okay to have big feelings. You know, he is an emotional guy and and anxious, prone to anxiety like I was as a kid. So we're trying to teach him strategies to work through that, like breathing to calm down when he's upset. And he also grew up on the show Daniel Tiger, um, who talks a lot about feeling happy and sad and scared and frustrated. So, yeah, what are you doing to help encourage Eli's emotional health? I mean, I'm with you guys. We, I, I sing those Daniel Tiger heads in my songs in my head all the time, <laughs> uh, especially the main one. You know, when you when you feel so bad, you want to roar. You take a deep breath and count to four. <laughs> yeah, cute. <laughs> I yeah. Know, I love that. And when when you're yeah. feeling frustrated, take a deep breath and ask for help. Uh-huh. Wow, yeah, there's such right. good lessons for parents that's too, amazing. especially <laughs> when parenting toddlers. So yeah. something in it for everyone, <laughs> for mom and for yeah. kid. Yes. Yeah, the, the tunes are really annoying, but they, they stick in your <laughs> yes, head. They so. <laughs> But I recently got a book for Eli called Tough Guys Have Feelings Too. Mm-hmm. And it, it talks about, it's, it shows pictures of wrestlers and astronauts and superheroes and ninjas uh, and talks about how they can feel sad and scared and lonely sometimes too. Um, the author also has a book I haven't gotten yet that's called My Dad Used to Be So Cool. Um, <laughs> it happens to you all, right? Yeah. yeah it happens right. to us moms too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but I, I try to encourage it. You know, he, he comes home and tells me that a friend pushed him or hit him. And so I try to encourage him to tell them that that makes him sad. Or and I try to encourage him also to tell them when his friends make him happy and when he's glad to be around them. Mm-hmm. Um, he is four. So, you know, the, as you know, the, the emotions can come pretty often. So I'm not always as patient as I want to be. Um, but you know, we're all working on our stuff. Oh yeah, no, this, the scared at night is hard for me. Cause I'm just like, we run through the list. Like we have an alarm, we have a dog, we have a brick house and mommy and daddy are here. Like, but it's okay uh, to be scared. You know? <laughs> just go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Yeah. yeah. But on the flip side, he always says that he's not scared of anything. And I think that's a problem yeah. too. Right. Like I, you know, I want to say that it's okay to be scared of some things. Yeah, you don't healthy. Have to, right. Healthy fear. So. Yeah. It's healthy to be scared of some things. Um, but, you know, I try to talk to him about anxiety. I can, I can, you know, occasionally see him getting anxious about something. And so I try to teach him ways of like taking a, taking a deep breath, you know, singing the Daniel Tiger song. Um, and I know that they also teach those methods at their school too. He, you know, he and Evan, I mean, yeah, he and Evan go to the same yeah, school. Yeah, I didn't know they taught those at the school. That's, That's really great. great. Yeah. So they made the little glitter bottles that you Oh, yeah. Like, we made one at home, but flip. I didn't make that in his Yeah. I like flip and like take a deep breath while the glitter settles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it's fantastic. That's really nice. good for parents too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make one for yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I'll add here that uh, because 
my dad traveled a good bit, as I mentioned earlier. I, I spent a lot of time with my mom and my sister. And for most of my childhood, all of my cousins were girls. So all the women in our family were very strong women. So I didn't grow up feeling the pressure of masculinity like a lot of other of my male friends did. I never got into hunting. My dad hunted, uh, you know, there were sports, but um, I just never got into those things and it was okay. I wasn't pushed to do that. Um, so, you know, sometimes those things make it a little difficult to infiltrate like heavily male spaces where, you know, sports and hunting are a big thing, but it makes it easier to kind of bridge that gap between the sexes. And yeah. um, I, I mentioned a, a, a quick pet peeve of mine that I, I know you've witnessed, Malia, is that at, at parties lately or gatherings where we have, you know, all our friends together, it very quickly segregates to male and female. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I, I don't like it. I understand it completely. And I understand as we get older, our experiences kind of change and we drift more into those groups. So I, you know, it's one of those things I try to, I try to go like hang out with the ladies and yeah, <laughs> yeah. try to talk about what they're talking barriers. about and try to like, and try to like push people back towards the other room where everybody else is. And, <laughs> you can do force mingling like in, in gym class or something. <laughs> like Snowball go find yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love that you and Rachel had a joint baby shower for Eli as a breakfast hangout in a community space. And it had not even occurred to me until then that a baby shower could be like that. I just assumed like, oh, guys don't want to be in this baby shower stuff that was, <laughs> you know, all women for, for Evan's shower. But then we did a joint, you know, co-ed baby shower, family hangout for when we had Avery. That's great. Um, yeah. And then people brought their kids. It was just like a big party, which, you know, was so wonderful because yeah. it does That's take a village. It's nice to have the community around us. And yeah, I hope by raising our boys to be more aware of their emotions and process them in healthy ways, there won't be so much toxic masculinity in their generation. Like, I'm a fan of The Bachelor, and uh, on The Bachelor, there's always phrases being thrown around like, be a man and man up and grow a pair. Mm. And it's just, it horrifies me because it equates masculinity with not showing emotion or vulnerability or equates strength with masculinity, uh, which trains boys to be, you know, aggressive instead of empathetic. Yeah, I mean, the the thought of ever saying those things to any kid makes me very uncomfortable yes. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't i don't think they were ever said to me at least i don't remember them they, they good. Were, so. good. Glad. i yeah. know every time i hear it, i'm just like what are you talking about and then sometimes just unquestioned because those kind of just exist or like boys will be boys like all these things you kind of hear or walk right, it off right. you know right right and it's nice to like now it's it rings so strange when i hear those kinds of things so i guess that mm-hmm. is starting to change and it's really encouraging to see like our generation of parents like you guys who are questioning these ideas and really making an effort to raise boys with more emotional awareness. Yeah, it feels out of touch to see those kinds of comments or hear them. Like the one time a friend of ours had seen uh, Star is Born and her husband was commenting on, you know, on her post. And then one of his male friends chimed in like, oh, did you cry? You know, and I was like, what the like, like dude what year is this <laughs> yes it was just baffling I, like I mean it was it was good because I don't see that as often but also like that still does exist so it's important to call people on that stuff mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah I'm a big crier my dad is a crier I'm a crier so. yeah I mean it's I a natural human thing to do <laughs> and that movie is sad right. you guys okay. <laughs> yes I know yeah, so sad. bring so your sad. Kleenex come on <laughs> Otherwise, you have no heart. You're a exactly. monster if you don't cry in that movie. You're a sociopath, so yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Get checked <laughs> out. Well, and I also make a point of changing out gender pronouns intentionally for animals and objects when I'm reading to my kids because I've noticed the default for myself and for other people is to say he for mm-hmm. everything. So, like, so many of the heroes in the stories are already male, like Jack and the Beanstalk or Harold and the Purple Crayon, but 
And also most of the characters in the Dr. Seuss books, except for like little girls with bows, you oh, know, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I never when, thought about that. <laughs> yes. If you read a Dr. Seuss book, all the characters are very sort of male. And also when you're reading it, your tendency is to say they're male, like to say he, even if mm-hmm. they don't assign a gender to them. Mm-hmm. And so like yeah. I try if there if it's not assigned a gender in the text to, to make it female, um, like dinosaurs or bears, you know, which because they're fierce, often we just assume are male, but like half of them are female as well, <laughs> you know. So like I'll say to Avery, like, look at that tiger, you know, what is she doing? And it's important to me that both Evan and Avery hear that and grow up seeing that women are just as capable as men. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've noticed that in our books too. I've, I haven't. I haven't done anything about it, but that's a good idea. And I think I'll try to start doing that tonight when I read the email. That's awesome. Well, you and I both had kids in our 30s. And while I was glad to have a whole life before kids, it's also been a challenge to give up that independence and have less time for my creative projects. And at the same time, having kids has deepened my sense of connection and joy and purpose. So it's a mixed bag. And I wondered how has having kids affected your mental health and sense of purpose? The line I, ever, I always feed people is that you can have fun in your 20s or you can have fun in your 40s, but if you want to have kids, you can't do both. <laughs> um, so, so I initially got married when I was 25 and got divorced at 28. And so it was a, that was one of the best decisions I ever made because it let me kind of step back and, and start that process over. And as a single person in Jackson, a city I wasn't very familiar with, I was able to meet a lot of people and get involved. In a lot of things, I mean, I look back and have no idea how I ever had the time or energy to do those things. Boards and planning groups and, you know, planning events. But, I, you know, I'm proud of that position that I've, that I've built for myself in this community. I worked hard for it. And, and now because of that, I'm able to affect for change in Jackson in a way that I might not have been able to do before. Um, I, I do miss volunteering and planning events, but it's just spending that time on those type of things I just can't do right now. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you're familiar, but... But some of those projects have become, you know, part of my primary job. Uh, now I feel like my purpose um, is to teach our kids the importance of being involved and using their abilities, like whatever they turn out to be, to make the world a little better. We, we stress being helpful at home, which I'm sure you guys do too. Um, we do that because at the very least, that's what I want them to be. Um, I, you know, if, we, if I see a limb down in the middle of the street, I'll get Eli to go help me move it out of the way. Or if there's trash on the sidewalk, I'll I'll pick it up or I'll ask him to pick it up. And he knows that he knows that my job is to help fix things for work. Mm-hmm. And I want him to see that like helping to fix things and, and make the world a little better has value. Um, so to, uh, to answer your question, I'd say having kids is cut down on capacity. <laughs> sure. uh, but I, I think I'm pretty sure it's only temporary. And, and, you know, I know people talk about mom brain, but I guess dad brain is is. is it's similar. <laughs> hopefully it's, hopefully it's not terminal. Right, lasts forever. <laughs> yeah, I find yeah. that like after a couple nights of solid sleep, like my brain comes back. So I'm very hopeful that beyond yeah. this period, there is hope. And it's not going to be like this forever. <laughs> yeah. Kids, kids are also a very good excuse to say no to things, which is not something I've always been very good at. But I've gotten a lot better at it since I had kids. That's nice. You have a little bit of an excuse if, if you don't actually want to do something. Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, the kids, you know? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about self-care, but what, is, what does self-care look like for you, Chris? I'm going to lay it out as if it's super organized, and I do this every morning, and I'm happy to do it, but it's, it's not necessarily always reliable. Um, <laughs> ebbs and flows. Yes, but, that's reassuring. <laughs> yeah, it ebbs and flows, depending on the day. But, um, I mean, in the morning, I, I get up really early. I try to get up at, like, 4.45 or 5. 
just to guarantee that I have some time to myself. The first thing I usually do is get on the Calm app, which I recommended to you guys. They have, uh, they have, it's not just about meditation, but they have some like stretching routines on there that, that are really helpful in, in waking up and kind of, you know, shaking off the, the stiffness of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time after that, I get sucked into Facebook or Instagram, uh, which I'm, I'm trying to get out of the habit of, um, but it isn't working yet. But in, on a good morning, I'll get some push-ups in, some sit-ups and maybe some squats. Um, and then I'll also take a few drops of CBD oil. Um, I guess once I've, once I've dropped off Eli and I go to work, it's, it, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I'm, I try to keep work fit into the day between eight and five. And so to do that, that means there's not a lot of space. And so I have to squeeze those things in, you know, really hard. And so I don't have a lot of time to, to talk to coworkers or to kind of socialize. I just have to kind of blow through everything and take a deep breath, a lot of deep breaths and just, and just power through so that at five o'clock or five thirty when I go pick up, when we go pick up the kids and we go home, I can actually focus on that for the next three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, at night, we're, we're so tired that we just we cook dinner and just crash on the couch. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Uh, and, and, yeah, and, and go to bed and wake up and do the next day. Um, um, right now, I don't have time to work out, so um, I try really hard to eat healthy during the week. Um, almost always have a salad for lunch and a light dinner, um, consisting mostly of vegetables. Um, Summer and fall, like right now, is my favorite. It's one of my favorite times because there's so much good stuff at the farmers market to eat. Yeah, it's so amazing. It's, it's really easy to eat healthy this time of year. Yeah, we um, are trying out a CSA basket uh, for the first time, and it's going pretty yeah. well. I mean, some of the produce has gotten bad, but for the most part, we've planned our lunch prep around it and our dinners. So it's been really nice to just eat more produce and then eat what's in season. And they started putting fruit, like peaches and watermelon, mm-hmm. in it. So it's really. I think we're going to continue. That's I'm awesome. Them. So, Chris, we like to ask guests um, to share a steal this tip. So that's a hack related to self-care or mental health or goal setting. So do you have one you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I don't I don't know that I would consider it a hack so much as just a, a good thing that we forget to do a lot. And I would say just figure out ways to spend time with people you like. It can be it can be lunch or breakfast or a quick drink after the kids are asleep. I mean, even if it's just thirty minutes, the energy gained from hanging out with somebody that you really care for, and you know, to to be able to share your experiences and just talk about your life. There's nothing else you can do to make up for that. Yes, we we have talked about how the research backs this up and showing that satisfying relationships are the key to happiness. And it's so important to make time for those even when we're busy. Yeah, maybe especially when we're busy and stressed. Especially, you're right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And where can people find you online, Chris? People can follow me on Instagram at Sienna Box. It's the color plus the box, S-I-E-N-N-A-B-O-X. Awesome. That's, that's really about it. Great. <laughs> or, or, you know what? I'll, I'll also plug jacksonflag.com where you can buy all of your Jackson Mississippi flag yeah, gear. Yeah, Jackson Fry. Awesome. That's very cool. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. We really, really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. We yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, and it's it. so important to talk about these things that don't usually get talked about. Yeah, thanks for giving me a chance. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Now it's time for Get It Together, Got It Together a segment where we share something that's going well for us right now and something we'd like to work on. So Jill, why don't you go first? My get it together this time is not planning a Barcelona friends meetup for this summer. So I talked about this in our last episode, the year so far. It's one of my 19 for 2019 goals that has made me really happy. So it's just a casual monthly hangout where we say, you know, we're going to be at this 
pub on this night. If you can come by, great. And we do them every month is the theory. And I've been doing pretty well with them this year, but then summer started and just, I don't know, everything went out the window. So I had planned to just do one for the summer because people are taking vacation and traveling and stuff, but we're about to leave on a trip and it just, it didn't happen. (laughs) So (laughs) something had to go and I was like, yeah, I intended to put something on the schedule this week and I, I just had to let it go. So I'm a little bit bummed that I won't get to see, you know, some friends before we leave for a couple weeks, but uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, so. I'm sure a lot of other people are traveling. At least here, it's just been crazy this summer. People are here and there and everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just the case with everyone. So it's not like anyone's been, you know, waiting by the phone <laughs> for my invitation <laughs> and they're very disappointed. Next so. time you invite them, you'll have no friends left. <laughs> I know. I'll be sitting there alone in the bar by myself. <laughs> so um, I will pick it up again in probably not August because most people are gone in August. So probably in September and we'll just, you know, start the school year off. Yeah, just summer hiatus yeah back later exactly <laughs> and my got it together is that i started packing for a said trip a week in advance which hey. i'm very proud of myself yes for. wow yes so i mentioned this in our last e-news that one of the ways i'm trying to deal with the the pre-vacation madness that i always seem to have is to try to pack early so i intend to do this for most of my trips but i almost never actually accomplish this <laughs> so it's usually the night before you know throwing things into a suitcase super late not very relaxing mm-hmm. but i'm trying to take our listener margaret's tip that she shared on our facebook page that she gradually fills up her suitcase a week before her departure and she says it gives her like a buzz of excitement for her trip whenever she sees it so i really Such like a great that. tip yeah yes. i have i have never done that exactly maybe a few items here and there but to have the actual suitcase there it's right. really smart. I think I've, yeah, no, I've, the best I do is, you know, a day before <laughs> or two days mm-hmm. before. Same. Yeah. So this time I thought about that and I took our suitcases out and I've started to fill them with clothing as they come out of the laundry. And it's just a nice mental shift to think of packing as like a way to build anticipation for the trip, not just a stressful chore to be avoided until the very last minute, which is usually the way I think of it. I know, me too. Yeah, I'll try that for our family trip coming up at the end of the month or even the one you're coming to New Orleans soon. So maybe I'll yes. try it for that. Yay. <laughs> yeah, you've got a chance next week. I know, it's so true. And it, with the kids, it's even harder because I'm packing for three people. Usually I'm the one who packs the kids' clothes. So it's not just me. It's also two children who have lots of gear. <laughs> yes, yes, lots of gear. So it's, yeah, it's it's been good so far. You know, it's fun to be like, oh, the bathing suit because we'll be swimming in the lake and like mm-hmm. you know fun things um not just kind of the i don't know mundane stuff so i will yeah, keep as to your happiness with the anticipation yes exactly so i'm hoping that it cuts down on my stress at the last minute uh right before the trip but i will let you know love it so what about you malia what are your what are your two things well my get it together is being reactive with the kids and yelling especially at evan And he really knows how to push my buttons, and he does it a lot to, I think, get attention. I'm trying to give him more positive attention so he doesn't feel the need to do this, but I always do bedtime. And the kids really fight me every day, so it's a stressful time because they don't want to go to bed. They want to be up and playing. And lately, it's been a very delicate situation because Avery has been sleeping through the night, which is the plus, and Mm -hmm. it's amazing. 
However, she needs to be sleepy but awake when I leave the room because if she's fully asleep, she'll just expect those same conditions if she wakes up during the night and Mm. then cry for me to come rub her back and sing to her to get her back down. So it's a very delicate balance, just those few moments right before she falls asleep for me to exit the room quietly. (laughs) But last night, she was in that state and I closed the door quietly and then I hear Evan going, Mommy, Mommy. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was so mad. So I came back and I was like, what is it? And he wanted another song because Avery got an extra song and it was not fair to him <laughs> and I get his point of view because I am also very justice minded yes, but at that moment yes. I yelled at him and he started crying and I felt horrible Aww. so I know so I ended up apologizing and then singing him that extra song to even the score and then telling him that I'd work on my yelling and he could work on helping me get Avery to sleep oh that's good yes yeah, so I'm also using some strategies to manage my anger especially because I'm so tired at the end of the day I just want to go to sleep and have like my hour to myself and then go to sleep but I'm trying to soften just use that word soften mm-hmm. because I start feeling my body tense up my voice tense up and I just take a breath and a pause and just like soften my approach. So if I can get to the playful part, I mean, at bedtime, I don't think I can get to that, but I can get to like an (laughs) even voice. Yeah, I love, I love soften. I think that's so, so helpful. Yes, it's challenging to do, but that is a great mantra. So my got it together is that I have been doing well keeping the dishes moving instead of letting them pile up. And this was, I started this when mom was in town. And so when guests are here, you know, you don't want to leave dirty dishes in the sink. So we emptied the dishwasher, which is key. So just to have a place to put those dirty dishes. And the kids actually like to help empty the dishwasher. That's a fun way to get them involved in chores. (laughs) And it's just more pleasant to see an empty sink when you come out in the morning, you know, than a full sink. And I'm also working on getting laundry moving too, just like once it's washed, folding it right away, putting it away. I'm working in general on not having stagnation, just like Mm -hmm. piles of clutter or, yeah, the dishes in the sink or the laundry in the basket and just keeping everything moving and alive. Yes, that's a good way to think about it and just flowing Mm -hmm. on its natural course. Yeah, everything in nature. This is something that the therapist told me that everything in nature is moving. If you watch tree branches, they're always in motion and that's just the natural state of things. So anything that stagnates is just kind of an unnatural state. And that's with like Chinese medicine with qi, that Mm -hmm. just keeping it moving. So any kind of illness or disease has to do with stuck energy. So I'm using that approach to the household as well. That's really good. I'm going to steal that. (laughs) well that is all for semi together you can find show notes at semitogether.com with a recap of this episode and links to the resources we mentioned how do you think self-care can become a universal practice instead of something that's seen as just for women share this episode with a guy in your life to open the conversation and also let us know about anything that came to mind as you were listening email us at podcast at semitogether.com or send us a voice memo you can also leave a comment on our latest Instagram post at Semi Together or tweet at us. Jill is at Traveling to Taste, and I'm at Malia Dicker. We'd also love it if you'd subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening to Semi Together. And take it from us, you have it more together than you think you do. So what do you guys actually record?
where y'all oh, are. Oh, I'm in Evan and Avery's closet. <laughs> That's why we haven't really taken a picture because I was like, this does not look very glamorous. You know, but everyone okay, starts though. somewhere, right? Yeah. Well, it, it is a big closet. Yeah, it is a big closet. That is a big yes. closet. It's bigger than where I'm sitting. Yeah. I'm in my office, which is really just a large closet. <laughs> um, but yeah. I was telling Malia earlier that I had to turn off the fan and close some of the windows because it's loud and it is hot as hell in here. So I'm like, she oh, <laughs> yeah. says she didn't want to suffocate and die like a dog left in a hot car. <laughs> I know. I was like, if I get really quiet, that means I've passed out. <laughs> I should call the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> Only after we hear the sound, right? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> then you know it's bad. 